I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I'm delighted to have my very special guest on the show today, Chris Voss. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much, Caroline. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to dive into a juicy conversation with you, but I want to tell our listening audience all about you first. Chris Voss is the CEO of the Black Swan Group and former FBI lead international hostage negotiator, based in Los Angeles. He's working on a book that's being published by Simon & Schuster, and the working title is Killer Deals, which should be coming out in April of 2016. And Chris is teaching business leaders how to get better negotiation results with rave reviews and results. And he's a Harvard grad, a USC Marshall School of Business professor, Georgetown University McDonough School of Business professor, speaker and author. And Chris, you bring an incredible amount of knowledge from real world hostage negotiation and applies this successfully to the business world. And you've got this extensive media resume commenting on hostage negotiation stories, including appearances on CNN, Fox News, Larry King Live, Discovery Disney, ABC News, Washington Business Tonight, Anderson Cooper, you name it. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank so, you very much. So, Chris, let's let's dive right in. How does one get into hostage negotiation, and how many I how many years have have you done it? Well, it's uh, you know it's an additional specialty that uh, most law enforcement agency ha- agencies have. Okay. The FBI okay. has it. Um, NYPD has it. LAPD has it. Uh, most law enforcement agencies have hostage negotiators, and you usually do it as an additional duty. Um, May, mostly if you don't want to go up the chain of command, if you want to stay sort of a, a street-level uh, investigator. And that's m- what I wanted to do for most of my career. Uh, I wanted to stay as an investigator. So uh, I knew it was an additional duty with, uh, uh, within the FBI. And I had been a member of the SWAT team, and I decided I needed a change of pace. Um, I actually had a reoccurring knee injury, and I decided before I blew my knee out completely, um, I'd do something where the, the knee wouldn't get wrenched and, uh, and hurt as much. So I started on a hostage negotiation. Wow. And was it, was it thrilling? Was it, was it scary? What were the emotions running through your head? You know, it was better than anything I ever imagined it might be. Um, the emotional intensity at, at times is incredible. Um, the adrenaline rush uh, that you have to keep under control while you're in the midst of you know, hostages in a bank and talking someone out and, and not getting any, anyone hurt. And then the emotional satisfaction of getting people out of harm's way um, using a soft skill, just using yeah. is is uh, the emotional satisfaction is incredible. Is, is the active listening skill also important as well as the negotiation? Um, you know, it is. And we actually... Uh, have taken it a little bit of a step further. You know, we refer to it really as proactive listening. Okay. uh, Or even proactive empathy because, yeah, you begin to learn the certain types of things that you're going to look for contained within a given conversation. You're going to look for hints of um, how someone sees the future 
or you might want to hint at how you could build that future with them. Um, for lack of a better term, I also try to listen for, you know, what's the other side's religion? What do they believe in larger than, than themselves? And everyone has something they believe in larger than themselves, and that's what drives everything that they do every day. And you listen for the hints for that, and then you can really have an effect on the type of decisions that people make. Wow. So it's this heightened sense of perception and intuition to be able to really dig and pick up those signals. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, there's a lot of people contend that uh, intuition, intuition is just merely heightened recognition. Mm. So it's, it's listening between the lines, but also more than just listening between the lines, getting a feel for what exactly you're listening for. Wow. So, Chris, I imagine that you have to respect confidentiality, so change the names, but can you share an example of a case you solved and, and highlight this negotiation strategy and, and how hostages got home safely, for example, just to help us understand the process? Well, we, we had a kidnapping in the Philippines where there was an American citizen that was being held, and there was a $10 million ransom demand. Wow. And uh, we were coaching. Um, when we work internationally, we always coach. We never talk directly to the bad guys. Uh, so we're, we're coaching the people that are involved in, in, the, in the negotiation. And, we get, and there was no money to be had. So we got the $10 million ransom demand down to zero. Wow. And then we started listening for you know, the emotional drivers on the other side and what they were really after. Uh, because there were also points in time that we were fairly certain that they were going to we were going to murder our hostage, and we had to do. We defused the, the threat, and ultimately the kidnappers became so um, frustrated, but disheartened with the entire situation. They got very lax in their security, and our and our victim walked away. Amazing. 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 And what what happens to you at that point? Is there's this tremendous sense of relief? Does your blood pressure go back down? I mean, I can't even imagine physiologically what you go through at that point. Yeah, you know, you kind of go through a great emotional crash at yeah, the end yeah. of these things and then actually the really hard part is um, hostage negotiators as soon as the hostage comes out the case whatever it is whether it's a domestic hostage taking or an international kidnapping you know we're out of there and then it's immediately everything is handed over to the uh, the investigators so in many cases if it's, it's been a long-term case you become very involved with people uh, if it's a kidnapping uh, it's not unusual for kidnapping to last anywhere from three uh, months to three years, and you become really deeply embedded in somebody's family, helping them through their darkest hour, and then bang, you're gone. And they don't know what happened to you. They don't know the situation of people they've been leaning on for all their emotional support for the last year have disappeared. And um, it's the way it has to be. We have to break cleanly with them at that time because other people need to be there to help them, but it's very hard. Oh, I can imagine. So I'm I'm fascinated about how the basics of negotiation are applied to the business world. And this is the whole new uh, career angle for you, right, as a professor and now an author, a forthcoming author. So help unpack some of those those negotiation skills that can really be applied to business. Well, you know, what, what it really is is it's high-level emotional intelligence. Um, and thank God that uh, emotional intelligence – is, is being recognized in the business community because when I first left the bureau and I was teaching in business schools, you know, I had to help sell students on the idea that emotions played a role in their decisions. 
Um, and it's, it's still a little bit of a hard sell. Nobody wants to think of their decisions as being emotional. They, they, they'd rather say they're ruled by passions and emotions. I'm not sure what the difference is. Mm. But um, it's emotional intelligence on steroids. <laughs> and the only thing hostage negotiators have to deal with, uh, our, our entire currency is em our emotions. So, you know, we got a, we got a set of skills that we've adapted uh, for the business world. We've made slight adaptations in certain ways. Um, but, uh, you know, we just take a bunch of emotional intelligence skills. Um, we teach people how to use them, how to navigate them, what to listen for specifically, what makes a difference, some of the keys that are driving people. And uh, we get, I get some, um, I get multi-million dollar outcomes in the people that I've coached, whether they be in, a, in the MBA programs that I normally teach in or our clients. Chris, can you give me some examples of, of what you are listening for? You know, we talked a little bit about active listening and, you know, what are some triggers that you're listening for? Well, you're listening, for lack of a better term, for both the positive emotions and the negative emotions. And, um... And you're listening for, uh, and whatever emotion is being presented, whatever passion is being presented on the surface, you know, the, the, it had, there's a yin and a yang. There's an opposite that's an un underlying uh, driver. Um, if something is very, if something is aggravating you about a business deal, that actually tells you the flip side of that is there's the flip side of what's aggravating you is things that you like. Mm. So when you listen for the positives and the negatives and you apply the tools, you know, what we do is we, uh, we um, enhance the positives and we diffuse the negatives. And if you do that a little bit at a time um, and let people work their, help people work their way uh, emotionally um, to, to decisions, because every decision we make, we make a decision based on what we care about. Right. Which by definition makes it emotional, makes it an emotional decision, what you care about. That's a passion. So once you recognize that, you begin to understand people's decision making um, then you can help people want to collaborate. And, and really, if you cut out the negative clutter, more people fail to read decisions because they're mad at the other side, um, probably m more than anything else. Wow, wow. So what, what inspired you then to, to parlay all this incredible field experience, for lack of a better term, into the classroom, right? And your coaching practice and training business leaders and, and teaching uh, in MBA programs, for example? Yeah, that, you know, that's a great question. What happened was we had a, a kidnapping that didn't turn out as we expected. The, uh, the kidnappers reneged on the deal. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't hurt the hostages. But then the hostages were subsequently uh, killed in a uh, botched rescue attempt. Oh. And so when we were going back over that, I knew that we'd done everything that we knew how to do as well as we knew how to do it, and it wasn't good enough. So I said to myself, you know, we got, we got to get better. Um, so actually what I started, I did was, I, you know, who's got the reputation for being the best negotiation teaching place in the world, which is Harvard Law School? And I went up to Harvard Law School and uh, talked my way into their course. <laughs> negotiated your way in, right? I negotiated my way in. And um, I met some phenomenal people. And we had an awful lot of the same definitions. We had the same exact agreement on, the, on what, how we defined empathy, which is not the way you, it's defined in the, uh, in the dictionary, and how we approached it. And after I went through their course, we agreed that we were doing exactly the same thing we just had a different uh, set of stakes, a different context, but exactly the same thing. So uh, I started working with them and just applying the hostage skills uh, to that world. So 
Chris, walk me through though. I, I can uh, I can envision now what you're doing, for example, in an MBA program or a particular scholastic environment. But when you're working with business leaders, coaching them, what kinds of programs do you provide? Is it okay? We've got an M&A situation, merger and acquisition, and we're going to really get down to brass tacks about the negotiation, or is it more uh, training based to say this is the hypothetical and we're going to empower you with skills? Yeah, it's a, it's a little more training based. I mean, we we will come in and put on a program for them. The last two days, okay, we we'll provide them with a lot of supplemental material. We we'll put them through two days of very intense exercises and learning. And you know what it really is is uh, a massive amount of emotional intelligence skills, very very specifically tailored, um, very simply defined. Uh, the issue then becomes in how you apply a simple tool in sort of a complicated way. Um, and, you know, I've had business executives that we've gotten started in the first half day. They've come up to me and they said, I never got anybody to talk to me this much before. Wow. I, I don't know what to do with all this information. I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed now with the amount of information I can get out of people. And, and I'll say to them, hey, listen, you know, you've just taken a step into the yeah. large world. Yeah, yeah. Transformative. You know, I believe that everyone can benefit from the the powerful tools of negotiation, not just business leaders. So I'm I'm hoping that that this is something that you can reach a broader audience with your book. You know, that's exactly the intention, and and the the design of the book is we're going to take a basic principle and we're going to show how it works in a hostage negotiation, uh, a business negotiation, and a personal situation, and that makes everything the exact same principle. It'll make everything three-dimensional so that, you know, they can negotiate uh, with a colleague that they're close to. They can negotiate with a counterpart across the table. They can negotiate with their spouse. Yeah. One of my favorite negotiations from the, from the MBA program was uh, one of the students um, was negotiating with his spouse over the kind of Christmas tree they were going to buy. <laughs> and and the first thing the first thing that I teach everyone is, the definition of flexibility in a negotiation is never be so sure of what you want that you wouldn't take something better. Hmm. And so this negotiation, the husband uh, was determined that they needed an artificial Christmas tree. And through the course of the negotiation, his wife changed his mind and he realized that why she wanted a real Christmas tree and the creation of memories for their family that duplicated the, her memories as a child, she completely changed his mind. Brilliant. Good example. One that we can we can all you sort of get into the head of. So that's awesome. So, Chris, tell me, what, what's your top advice for anyone dealing with a complex negotiation, whether it's that Christmas tree, right, or the business deal? You know, where would you get them started? Well, interestingly enough, in every deal, there's something that your counterpart wants more than the deal. Um, and it makes no sense. And but we're emotional human beings. So if, you, if you're sort of at an impasse with the other side, there's a really good chance that they value being heard before they make the decision. And if you can summarize what they've said to you and paraphrase it, summarize it completely back to them, there's a really good chance that you will achieve a breakthrough when you fully summarize what the other side has said. Um, it makes no sense, but it works time after time after time. What, what I think I'm hearing, and you tell me if this is accurate, is, is it's a need to be validated, right, by sharing uh, the paraphrase of, of what they said. It's a wonderful validation. 
Right. You know, that's what it is exactly. And some of us say, well, you know, what good is that going to do? You know, how's that going to help? It'll work wonders. Yeah, I I can imagine. It's incredibly powerful. Yes, it is. Wow. Chris, what an exciting, exciting time for you. So tell us, Killer Deals is the working title. You still still going with that or it's in progress? You know, for for the time being, that that's, <laughs> that's the working title. We'll see as we get, uh, you know, get much later in the process. The, uh, we're planning on delivering the manuscript September 1st and it should be out in April of next year. And the, the title might change. Got it. I understand but, that. As a fellow author, things change. But how exciting, wonderful opportunity to work with Simon & Schuster. And we'll be looking for that book uh, next spring. But tell us, in the meantime, how can we seek you out, whether it's on social media or your website? Yeah, thank you very much. The, the best place is a website. It's uh, blackswanltd.com. The www, black, like the color, B-L-A-C-K, swan, like the bird, S-W-A-N ltd.com brilliant, brilliant. You, we've got material available there we've got contact forms we get stuff you can have for free you can negotiate with us excellent chris boss what a pleasure to have you on the show thank you for sharing your time and expertise i wish you great success and i will eagerly anticipate the book Thank you, Caroline. I've loved being your guest. Well, I thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.